In today's episode, we're talking about grieving through transitions, particularly what's involved when moving overseas or moving back home. Um, I know Vicki and I have done this, and uh, I've invited a friend of ours, Bill Fennell. Uh, Bill, uh, to share some thoughts on this subject from his knowledge and experience. Now, Bill is a, is a certified counselor, and he works for Sanctuary Counseling Center here in Memphis. Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us about Sanctuary. What is it? Why, why did it get started? Yeah, thanks. I'm uh, Bill. I've been a professional counselor for about 16 years, um, some of that working in a hospital, through hospice, some of it working uh, at a college, uh, overseas for a few years, um, and most recently uh, at Sanctuary Counseling Center, where we have been open for about a year and a half. Our mission is to serve people working in ministry in the Memphis area uh, to provide them mental health counseling in order to keep them healthy and strong and in the field doing the work that God's called them to do. Great. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, like I said, we've been doing that a year and a half, finally getting in, I think, our groove with that. Um, we get to work with people all across Memphis from all different kinds of ministry, which has been really exciting and, and, and fun to see. So it's specifically for people that are in ministry or nonprofits? Mm-hmm. People in working in the Memphis area that are in ministry, nonprofits, or, or their immediate family members. So we see... Uh, everyone from, you know, four, five years old on up. So why specifically are you focusing on that group? I'm just wondering. Yeah, the the purpose of it is is that we believe that the work that they're doing is really difficult. And it's a great city that we live in, but it's also a very difficult city. And there's a lot of trauma and a lot of uh, difficult things that people working in different ministries deal with. And so yeah. it's easy to get burnt out and it's Uh easy to get depressed and easy to experience a lot of vicarious trauma. And so our goal is to prevent the turnover and to keep people doing the work that they want to be doing. That's excellent. Yeah. So often people that are in ministry don't over, don't ever stop and Mm -hmm. take care of themselves. Yeah. So that's, that's why exciting that Sanctuary got started. So what we're talking about, um, and I let Bill pick this topic, um, what he wanted to talk about and so grieving in transition. So, Bill, uh, actually, you've lived this topic, if yeah. I'm correct. And yeah. so tell us a little about what is grieving, what is healthy grieving, and um, that, would be, that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. So one of the first distinctions I make is the difference between grieving and mourning. Uh, mourning is the outward expression of those emotions, uh, of the emotions of grief. Grief is the internal feelings that we have when we've gone through a loss, and that could be Traditionally, we think of loss through a death, but it's also losing anything that we have any kind of emotional attachment to. Uh, One of the things we told people when we worked at hospice is, if you're old enough to have a feeling, you're old enough to grieve. So even the youngest children that we Mm. work with grieve. Um, They mourn differently in that it looks different because they don't have words or verbal capabilities to express it. Uh, and actually, adults don't always have those verbal capabilities either. So yeah. some of what we do is put words to what's going on. But grieving is, in part, honoring the losses that we go through and acknowledging them. Excellent. Um, we, as a family, moved to Spain uh, a little over four years ago. In the span of about five years, we went through five moves, including two international moves. Um, we were excited to go to Spain and serve. Uh, had to come back before we were ready, I, I think, in a lot of ways for a lot of different reasons. And those transitions were hard. They were hard on me and Lauren, and they're hard on our kids too. Um, and so 
Uh, and they continue to be even um, uh, almost two years later, they're still hard and we're still like processing some of those losses and uh, still realizing what some of those losses are. Mm. So internally, <clears throat> you're saying it's not expressing it. It's right. Mourning is the expression of the grief that we feel inside. And so everybody grieves. Um, not everybody mourns in the same way. And so that's what gets tricky when you're working with grief inside of a family because one person is mourning in a certain way. Maybe they get busy with work. Maybe they get busy with school. Maybe they get busy and active in the church. Uh, they could go negative ways and getting, you know, into distraction with media or drugs and alcohol. Um, right. Uh, people mourn in a lot of different ways, but we all pretty much go through similar grief experiences. But it's interesting you, in this area of missions and people going over for missional purposes. Why do you feel like we need to hear this? Why is this topic something that you find yourself talking a lot about and mm-hmm. helping people in ministry go through? Why mm-hmm. particularly are we either not good at this or don't always do it well? Well, I think if you look at the way missionaries particularly are trained to go overseas, uh, they're trained in fundraising. They're trained in language. They're trained in cultural adaptation. We rarely talk about grief. And if we do, it's like a seminar for an afternoon or a couple of hours. And uh, it's it's not given a lot of emphasis in, in missionary training and missionary preparation. And it's not giving a lot of, uh, honestly, uh, attention in our life in general. It's something we tend to try to avoid uh, because it's uncomfortable. Um, but one of the things about grief is that avoiding it is actually not effective. <laughs> you can't avoid it. It's going to come up at one point or another. And if you think about all the losses that you have when you go overseas, uh they're they're pretty numerous. I mean, we lose yeah. connection with our family. We lose our community. We lose our church. We lose our identity. We lose our ability to communicate as an adult. So, you know, if we, yeah. when as you're trying to learn language, you lose like any kind of sense of competency that you have. Absolutely. And, and so your identity goes with that. And that has to be mourned and that has to be grieved. And we have to give ourselves space to do that uh, without judgment or w- without comparing ourselves to how other people are doing that. Right. And I think as missionaries, they get in there, they can over-spiritualize the whole Mm -hmm. work of moving over. And I know when Vicki and I went over, we often thought people called it culture shock. You're just Mm -hmm. going through culture shock. But but I think we weren't even able to articulate what we were really dealing with, which Mm -hmm. was the loss of all the things that were familiar to us, that made us feel like home. And yet Mm -hmm. we kept probably telling ourselves, you know, just adapt, adapt. This mm-hmm. is the right culture. This is the right decision. And and just denied, I guess, like you said. Uh, so how do you, what would you tell someone when they've arrived and they've been there three to six months or more? Sometimes mm-hmm. it can take a couple of years. What would you tell them yeah. in how to grieve well, I guess? Well, generally that cross-cultural experience, the culture shock, lasts about two years, which is longer than people are prepared for. We expect like the first few months to be challenging. And then once we get the language, everything will be fine. And the language is really important, but it's also just a small part of what we're doing. Um, Because the language then begins to let you understand how different the culture really is. Um, After about six months or so, the adrenaline and the newness and the excitement wears off and it starts to be a grind. And you're really 
focusing on language and you're focusing on trying to get yourself settled and, and not understanding why I'm not thriving. Um, so one of the first thing is just really to have grace for yourself and, and, and honestly not comparing yourself to mm. other people. Oh boy. Uh, because that's common with missionaries. You look around and go, well, they all made it, yeah. you know, and, and maybe I'm not a good missionary or whatever. Right. Or, or the idea that I'm supposed to do this, mm. you, you know, letting go of some of those things, understanding that missionaries that have been in the field, uh, can be a huge resource, but they're also not the expert on you and your family, and you're the expert there. And if mm. you need help in a certain area and your mission organization doesn't provide that help, there's other resources for you to get to and, and making sure you get to them early, um, whether it's just someone to talk to about how hard this is or if it's um, getting time outside the culture to kind of get refreshed for a minute and get uh, re-energized and then come back at it, giving yourself time to, to do that. So articulating it, so actually being able to talk about it, you said, mm-hmm. is valuable in and of itself. Yeah. Just to, and you talk about those first two years. I can remember when those are sort of the key crucial time, like you said, that you have to be all in because so many organizations say this is the period for you to learn the language. And mm-hmm. sort of you're, you're, on, you're at a high performance mm-hmm. level when you're saying at that same time, mm-hmm. You can find yourself waking up feeling sad, mm-hmm. depressed, yeah. and you're like, what's happening to me? I've been preparing for this for for years, we're here, mm-hmm. and now I've got to be, I got, all pistons have to be running because I've got to jump into this culture and jump into this language, and you're just sitting there feeling really rotten, mm-hmm. and you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, and the keys there are not only talking to people about that and getting on top of that early, but getting back to the reasons that you came there. You're not there to learn language. You're not there to enculturate. You're there to experience this culture. You're there to get to know these people. And getting yourself outside of the rut of just uh, the grind. The tasks. Yeah, so giving yourself opportunities to travel, see the things that are interesting and new about that culture, Uh, giving yourself permission to um, enjoy it sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And just being okay with the tension that's there and knowing that it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be excited at the same time. A lot of our growth happens in that tension. And so avoiding it is really avoiding an opportunity to grow through it. When we're grieving, we have to move through the grief. We, We have certain needs that have to be met while we're grieving. Uh, to avoid them is not necessarily healthy. To We have a need to be able to express the pain that we feel. We have a need to be able to have permission to feel that pain. Exactly. Um, without judgment. We have a need to receive ongoing support from people around us. And that's, that's a need that we should expect to be filled uh, by someone. Sometimes you judge yourself. I know mm-hmm. we did that. You know, you, you have all in your mind maybe too many missionary biographies that mm-hmm. you're supposed to be all in. <laughs> but then you, you can also feel judgment from others. And you're in that sort of com- competitive mode, which shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people doing better than you in language. I remember it was very healthy when some of our Turkish friends, new Turkish friends where we lived, actually asked us, about our home, asked us mm-hmm. about our family, wanted to see pictures of our hometown or our home state of Tennessee. And mm-hmm. I remember telling them about the Smoky Mountains or showing them pictures of my parents. 
was actually good for me mm-hmm. as opposed to denying, oh, no, we need to forget about all that. Right. We're here to focus on your culture, your language, and your people mm-hmm. because we're on a mission. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just not very human, right. I guess, to right. do that. Yeah. And I think I remember not – there were times I didn't allow myself, um, but it was actually the local people – that were trying to make me be more normal mm-hmm. when it was the yeah. coworkers. They <laughs> yeah. were like, how's your language? What's right. your strategy? Right. Um, what have y'all done? What level are you at? When yeah. the locals are just kind of like, Hey, uh, we've heard about this dish y'all have called, uh, we'd learn how to make it. Can you make pizza homemade? Mm-hmm. You know? And it was like, wow, they're helping us be people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The pressure comes from inside most of the time, either inside ourself, inside our organization, the uh, the culture around us is a lot of times more curious about us than uh, we are about ourselves, which oh is fun, God. and to allow them to do that. And yep. To not feel like you have to be, if you're moving to Spain, you don't have to be Spanish when you get there. If you're moving to... In fact, you'll never be Spanish. No, no. And well, that's something to always remember. Right. And, and that's that can be a valuable tool if you, if you accept that and embrace that. And you remain curious about their culture. You know, they, they, the Spaniards would love to share things about their culture with us. Uh, and they, they asked us a lot of questions about America too. They always asked us, have you been to New York city? What's it like? And I'm like, yeah. well, I'm from Alabama, so we haven't really ever, I've never been there, but these are the places really they've heard to. of. Right. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they don't know Alabama in Spain. Uh, but enjoying the culture, you just mentioned that they, I think that was a, you know, like everything that was enjoyable from our home was taken away from us. Mm-hmm. And that somehow now I've been dropped in almost like a, like a, like a soldier. You mm-hmm. know, if your mentality is I've been dropped in behind enemy lines and now I'm, I'm on task. And mm-hmm. I don't think soldiers are ever told to take you in the local culture, enjoy right. a sunrise, <laughs> right. Uh, right. have some local food. That's not what they're told. And so workers get themselves into those mindsets when what you're saying, and I appreciate that, Bill if you can take the time to find things in that culture, in mm-hmm. your community, in your neighborhood, in your uh, in that country that you enjoy, whether right. it means the food, the travel, places to see, that means you're setting up home mm-hmm. as opposed to right. being on task. Right. And, and, you know, grieving is hard work. Physically, emotionally, mentally, it's hard. And we have to be able to give ourselves permission to take a break from that. And yeah. sometimes it's literally just telling ourselves. I'm going to put the sadness and the grief and the pain that I'm feeling about missing home down for a little while. And I'm going to go do something that's really fun for me. When I worked in hospice and would work with a caregiver who'd been a long-term caregiver of a terminal patient and their loved one died, I had to help them learn how to have fun sometimes again, because their whole identity had been, I'm a caregiver for this sick person, for this Mm -hmm. cancer patient or for this dementia patient. And, and once the person was gone, they lost their identity. And as we get into the field, sometimes we lose our identity because we, at home, we're the missionary. You know, at our home church, we're the missionary that's going out. When we're there, we can't always call ourselves the missionary. No. So so who are we and what are we really doing? No. Um, and one of the most helpful things for us was to give ourselves permission just to travel. Like, we're not going to be people who are trying to... Uh, enculturate ourselves into Spain. We're just going to go be tourists and go travel and see this thing. And then, you know, that was fun. We, that was we, fun to get away and do yeah, that. Yeah, it was restoring. We came back usually with a new sense of purpose and a new, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of energy. Um, 
And some people could say, oh, so you're just going to go over and have fun and travel and enjoy all the food. When are you going to get down to the work? But what we're saying is there's a key to balance in mm-hmm. there. And if you try that mm-hmm. task method, you're mm-hmm. going to burn out. Right. And so giving yourself permission. Um, yeah. And there's value to the work that you're doing that too. Because when a Spaniard comes up and says, have you been to the Alhambra? You say, yeah, I've been there. It's amazing. Like it's this wonderful. They love it that you've been there. Yeah. They want to share that with you and you can share in that with them. So Bill, do you think there's any differences just that you've touched on or you've lived that a husband, wife and children, is there anything unique about what they're experiencing or what they need to think about? How do you help? Or I guess husband and wife would be grieving as adults, but maybe Mm -hmm. children would be a... Yeah, well, understanding that everybody grieves differently. Mm. Um, It's not uncommon for me to have uh, a parent come to me after they've lost a grandparent, a child's lost a grandparent, to say, I'm worried about my child because they're not grieving. And that gets back to the difference between mourning and grieving. The child's not mourning in the way the parent expected, uh, but they are grieving those losses. Kids are pretty resilient in that they can come in and out of their grief pretty quickly. Um, they come in, they ask a few questions. You know, what is you know what is grandma doing back home? When are we going to go home? Uh, I miss home. And then they go back and play. And it's like it seems to us like they're not really processing it because they keep asking the same questions. But that's how they learn is through that repetition. Repetition, and that's how you know that's how they process. Now it's harder for us as adults because they come in with these questions, and then it kind of floors us, and we have to sit with those emotions for a little bit. Yeah, longer. we're more triggered, right? Into yeah, and stress. So they've gone off to play, and they're happy and back in their world, and mm. then we're feeling guilt about what have I done to my kids? Am I ruining their life? Am I? Um, but for husbands and wives, it's just important not to stereotype and not mm. to put people in a category because you're going to have some people who who genuinely do get there and thrive and it's not um they miss home but they really enjoy where they are and there's going to be one spouse that knows we're in the right place but is just miserable there and so um not feeling like you have to judge the other person or feeling judged by them is really helpful no one maybe maybe it's just going to take them a little longer to adjust Mm -hmm. maybe they need some of these connections with back mm-hmm. home a little bit or mm-hmm. some friendships there to yeah. help them right. connect when, like you said, what the other one, one spouse is thriving mm-hmm. and, and eating it up. I know Vicki and I just did things so differently mm-hmm. and, but we both needed to grieve about lo- the loss, mm-hmm. but we also needed to figure out how we're going to mm-hmm. uh, replace some of the things that we've lost, I yeah. guess, through this new culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot about just not um, not judging each other, but walking through it together and knowing that both of you are grieving, but you're mourning differently and that that's okay. There's not a right way to grieve. There's not a wrong way to grieve. You know, Bill, we talked about grieving as you go overseas. What about coming home? Uh, I call it home. Like my mm-hmm. kids told me home was where they grew up. But mm-hmm. actually coming back to the place where you started, it seems like when people return Mm. They're still they're grieving now something because they've been in a place for two to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's the same, mm-hmm. a lot of the same principles of knowing to grieve. But is there anything unique about that one? It, it is because a lot of times the grief is unexpected. It's either unexpected by the individual that's coming back. Um, it's unexpected by the people around them. Because you're home now. Right. Yeah. The, the community that has been your support while you've been overseas 
I mean, everyone hears this, like, aren't you so glad to be home? And it's like, well, no, I wanted to be there, but I can't be there now. Right. And, or I'm really missing my home there, my house. I miss my stuff. I miss... New ri- yeah, know, rhythms of life yeah. that you had there. Yeah. And like you said, it's important The children who grew up there, that's their home. They're, they're that third culture kid that they're not Americans. They're not their um, host country. There's something in the middle, and, and they have a hard time really accepting that, you know, now I'm home. It's, what is home? Yeah, home is, home is a very nebulous thing. It's a, um, Age has a lot to do with that, you know. Until, and also there's that whole, when you hit the ground back in wherever your home is, mm-hmm. there is this expectation of, you know, maybe you get a couple of months off mm-hmm. to figure out what's next, mm-hmm. but then you're back into this. I, t- mm-hmm. I felt, I told people, I felt like I was jumping into a NASCAR race mm-hmm. and everything is zooming around me, mm-hmm. especially compared to the pace right. that is in so many other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even have that time. Yeah. <laughs> like when people, if, it, if they had asked me, right. are you grieving the loss of it? Right. You're like, um, I haven't really found time. Yeah. I don't know how to do that, but it took yeah. me years. Is that possible to yeah, process I, it later than... Well, you're going to process it. Yeah. Uh, you're going to either do it in a healthy way intentionally or you're going to do it in an unhealthy way uh, unintentionally. You can't not deal with the grief that's there. It's going to come out. And if we don't process it and we don't allow ourselves time, it usually comes out as anger. It mm. comes out as depression, anxiety, stress. Um, these other physiological symptoms that if we're not dealing with the grief, it's going to come out in, in a way that we can't control. Okay. Uh, That's what you mean by not one way that you're going to deal with it, but you may do it poorly and mm-hmm. poorly is to just cram it. Yeah. To, to act like it's everything's normal and I'm just going to get busy and uh, I'm going to get active. I'm going to get efficient the way Americans do. Um, and that doesn't help, you know, we have to give ourselves time and space and like, like it took two years to get adjusted to the new culture. It's going to take about two years to get reacclimated to your home country, uh, to your passport country. And it's, um, the, one of the differences is, is that you don't really always have permission to do that. You Mm -hmm. have permission to be out of sorts when you move to a, a foreign country, when you move back to the United States, where if you're from there, you're kind of given, like you said, maybe a couple of months, um, and then you need to start getting a job, and then you need to start like getting your kids in school, and then you need right. to start doing all these things. And um, and once you've started, you can't back off. You just can't. People can't do that. And you've changed. I think that's the, mm-hmm. the thing. And you might say, what could two or three years do? But we've seen people that have lived mm-hmm. somewhere for two or three years, and when they moved back... They're still, mm-hmm. they still miss that. Right. Something was really, they really affected them. Maybe they were able to get in to a pace of life. Mm-hmm. We, used, we used to tell people that what we loved about where we lived was we had fewer friends and we went deeper. Mm-hmm. When over here, there's just so much going on mm-hmm. and so many people to engage with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when we lived in Spain, we had permission to still be a little bit American, you know, with our efficiency and our. You know, people in Spain don't sit in cafes and work on their computer. They just sit in cafes and have conversations and relax. Um, we had permission to do that because we're the Americans and we sit in a little local cafe and we type on our computer and they understood that. You come here and you just sit and drink a cup of coffee at Starbucks, <laughs> people look at you like you're a crazy person. Like, you can't, you can't just do that. <laughs> and, 
And it just relax. You're going to be productive. Right, here. yeah. What's your real job? Why are you wasting your time? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. And so we do need to give ourselves at least two years to do that. And, you know, you mentioned we've changed when we come back. Well, the place we've come back to has changed, too, over two mm. years. I mean, if you imagine someone who left last year and comes back in two years, what? how different is this country going to look? And your friends have changed. Maybe yeah. your church has changed. Yeah, significantly. And but and the hard part is they don't realize they've changed because they've just been a part of that. And you kind of know you've changed because it's been a little more dramatic. Mm. But the country, the culture, the group, the community you're coming back into doesn't realize they're a lot different than they used to be. Um, and it may not be the right community for you anymore. And that's right. hard. And that's hard because it's another unexpected grief. I thought I was coming into this community that I was going to fit back into and I just don't now and I don't know where I fit in and that's hard Bill this has been good thanks for um, being here today I I, I think we're going to have you back I think there's okay. a lot of good topics and um, so somebody can how can somebody benefit uh, who's I guess if they're a missionary and they come into mm-hmm. Memphis they can mm-hmm. come over and make an appointment and yeah, they can make an appointment to come in. We um, charge a low, flat rate of $30 a session. Um, well, what we say is we charge $140, and it's subsidized to 30 for a foundation. Wow. Um, but also, if you're you know somewhere else and you just need some advice or want to help getting connected with someone else, they can send me an email, okay. and, uh, and I can get them connected with someone closer to them or someone that's available to help. Uh, my email is bill at sanctuarycounselingcenter.com. Okay, so that's it, sanctuarycounselingcenter.com. Yeah, it's long, but (laughs) it's all there is. That's great. Yeah. Oh, boy, have we wanted something like Sanctuary for so many years, and we just send people there almost Mm -hmm. weekly. Um, And it's really neat if people are in town or coming through town, we just tell them to make a couple appointments while Mm -hmm. they're here. Yeah, we're happy to do that. Bill, this is great. Grieving, something we all need to learn about. Thanks for being here. We definitely want to invite you back. Great. I'd be happy to come anytime. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.